We're going to bring you on to our huddle. Support for the Warriors Huddle comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Now, up until now, I have not been the guy who's read this ad for the show. Maxime has been nice enough to carry that water force. And the reason for that is kind of simple. I actually have a story that is on the money for this ad, but I've been too damn embarrassed to tell you. Well, the time has finally come years ago. Before I was smart enough to do any kind of manscaping, I went on a bachelor party with a bunch of friends in Vegas, and we shared a hotel room. And I was taking a shower, and one of my friends came into the bathroom to brush his teeth, didn't know I was in the shower, sees me in the shower through the glass door. We have this like super awkward eye contact. He goes outside. I shower up, come out, talk to him, and he says, yeah, man, I saw you in there. And I didn't think you were alone. I thought that you had a small person in the shower with you who had an afro because he had realized that I did not manscape. And let's just say things were a little unsightly down there. Ever since that date, I have changed my approach. But I also knew that you can't just be using the same trimmer on your face as you're using on your balls. I knew even back then that that's nasty as hell. And I didn't have the perfect product then. I do now. Manscaped has come out with the Lawnmower 2.0, which has proprietary skin safe technology. So the trimmer not only is specifically designed to trim down there, it is also specifically designed to not nick or snag your nuts. This thing is always the right tool for the job. Your boss will thank you should you use it. And I will thank you. If when you go to manscaped.com, you use the promo code WARRIORS, because it'll not only help us out, it'll get you 20% off and free shipping. Once again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code WARRIORS at manscaped.com. Don't get caught like I did. Get this technology in your life, and you'll thank me for it down the line. You are in the Warriors Huddle with me. Bram, as you know, no full pod this week. We're going to take off one more week for the holidays and then be back live next week. I'm pretty fired up for that. But I wanted to reach out for a couple of reasons. One, obviously, not going to leave you empty-handed. So following this short message, we're going to rerun a pod I did with Rusty earlier in the year. And the reason we selected it is because the stuff we are talking about in that pod is still as relevant and important now as it was then. I came out right after Steph got hurt, Rusty kind of broke down how the Warriors could use the season to still be successful. And some of the points he made were just dynamite and really interesting to hear now a few months later. But the other reason I wanted to touch base is that I have three shout outs. I just have to get off my chest. And since we weren't recording, I figured I'd put it right up front right now. Uh, The first shout out goes to Golden State's coaching staff, or maybe even more specifically, Steve Kerr and Jaron Collins individually. And you guys know this. When the seasons first started, the Splash Brothers get hurt, and the remaining group of players was just a bunch of new dudes who had no idea how the Warriors' motion-heavy system worked. So when it first started up, the players were disjointed. They didn't really communicate on the floor. They had no idea where they were supposed to be. They just weren't on the same page. It was like watching a bunch of people speed date really shittily. And at that point, the Warriors coaching staff could have panicked. They could have installed a brand new stripped down approach and tried to cater to uh, to the new players panicking. But that wouldn't have helped the team in the long run. Because if these guys didn't know how to run the real system, then when Curry and Clay came back, they wouldn't be ready to compete for a championship. So instead of panicking, Kerr and Collins patiently stayed the course. They actually worked and taught these new dudes the real system. And now we're seeing real improvement. Now, look, I'm not talking about playoffs. I still think we're a lottery team, and I hope so. I think the pick that they bring in is going to help put us back on a championship course. But... As we have all seen during the four-game win streak the Warriors just went through, they not only averaged 110 points a game, but they posted the NBA's best defensive rating during that streak. So we have to at least look out and give a shout-out to Kerr and Collins for starting the turnaround on a team that just looked awful as the year began. Second shout-out, Willie Colley-Stein. 
I have taken hell of shots at this guy. Uh, I think at some point during the year, I said he showed less life than Bernie from Weekend at Bernie's. And now I got to say, it's starting to change. He's not making an all-star list. Let's not be ludicrous, but he is starting to show a heartbeat. He is starting to seemingly realize that he has to try his balls off every game, which was the biggest complaint we had so far. So the fact that he's flipping it, shout out to him. Third, finally, most importantly, this shout out goes to you guys, the audience. I know I occasionally say it. I'm not sure if I've been able to communicate it, but I can't tell you how much we appreciate you guys. Happy New Year. We love you. We thank you. And we cannot wait to kick out a brand new episode next week. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you from Marcus, Maxime and I. Happy New Year. And we'll see you guys real soon. You are in the Warriors Huddle with me, Bram. No Marcus or Maxime today, unfortunately enough, but I am fired up to announce that rejoining us after way too long, a San Francisco Chronicle beat writer for the Golden State Warriors since 2007, one of the longest tenured and most enjoyed members of this show, and a man who has no problem asking us to record a podcast in the middle of a home gym, Mr. Rusty Simmons. What's going on, Rusty? I'm doing great. Why do the other guys hate me? Why don't they want to be on the show? I'm not sure if they hate it. In fact, I just wanted to throw out how much we enjoyed having you on, and I'm glad you asked that follow-up. Is the term most enjoyed, is that an actual term? Like, as a writer, can I throw that thing around, or is that something I just made up? As long as you hyphenate it, that's fine. <laughs> well, then I definitely did, and the uh, the camera shows me furiously scratching out the non-hyphenation night. I digress, man. I got uh, I got a lot of stuff to ask you about, and I tell you what, you are the perfect person to have on the pod today. You have been doing this forever. You watched this team transition from terrible to good, and it looks like the Warriors might be in the middle of a brand new transition right now, so we kind of need your uh, your knowledge and your guidance. Uh, before I jump in in earnest, let me give you a softball. Should Warrior fans be concerned, or is it just too early? What are they concerned about? All the new roster turnover, the the seeming lack of a system that's working on offense, one of the worst defenses I've watched in a long time. I mean, these are just a few bullet points. I, I, I'll help you. I'll help you with the segue, and I, I think you're exactly right. I, I covered a team that won 23 games in the entire season, and I also covered a team that won 24 in a row to start a season. <laughs> so I, I've seen I've seen some really good teams and some really bad teams. This one's right in the middle. So it, it, it depends on what you want as a basketball fan. Like, are you interested in watching the young guys develop? Well, then you love this season. Are you only interested in winning championships? Well, then you hate this season because they don't have a prayer of that. <laughs> All right. Um, let me get more specific. And first, let me give you some crap. You didn't just help me with the transition. You made the transition better than I did. The whole 22-win you know, team versus 24 in a row, it's almost as if you worked on that before we got behind the mics. I just, I just lived it. So, yeah, I, I remember. I just lived it. I, enough of your competency. I need you to dial that back a little bit, but not for this segment. So I promise specific questions about the Warriors. Uh, but first, let me get to my favorite part of the show. Off the court report, you know what the hell it is. You know, if, if you're a fan of the Warriors, enough so to listen to this pod, you know what happens between the lines. But Rusty follows this team off the court. And for this segment, we take advantage of that exact access. Really, what I do is shut up, turn the mic over to our guest, in this case, Mr. Simmons, and ask if he has anything for us that he's noticed from outside of the lines. Rusty, what do you got, man? Well, my favorite one was just here recently. Uh, we were waiting on Draymond Green to talk. And he scolded us afterwards because there are only about a dozen of us who stayed to, for the two hours to wait for him. And he said, you'll see how the media all backs off. Um, but during that two hours when we waited on him, we got to see Alec Burks go one-on-one with Kai Bowman. And, look, I understand he was going against a D-League dude, but he just destroyed him. And I, I have always liked Alex Burks on the offensive end, but I think – I think when they get him back, he can really be a player. And I liked his confidence and how he was talking trash. And 
trying to bring other players into it and show off. And um, I know Warrior fans are, are waiting to see something that, that excites them, and, and it looks like the Warriors have uh, a scoring threat off the bench who is also going to be pretty exciting for the fans to watch. So I know I've, I've been lucky enough to attend a couple of those practices, and I know the Warriors are pretty careful about what they show and what they don't, right? They have a whole session that they don't let the media into at all, and then when that finishes, they let people through the doors, have them answer questions, and then sometimes they'll have individual workouts like what you're talking about. So for that, right, they, they know that Alec Burks is supposed to be a big part of this team. They know we haven't really seen him at all. Do you think they purposefully ask him to go out there and do that in front of the media? I mean, like, is, is that, that a purposeful decision, or is it just happenstance and you guys got lucky? You're right. They are very purposeful, purposeful about what they show. And you remember at the old practice facility uh, in downtown Oakland, they actually had the barrier that they would send down so that people couldn't see certain yeah, right. workouts yeah. kind of stuff. They don't have that at the new practice facility. This was just happenstance. Uh, everybody wanted to talk to Draymond Green this day. Some people gave up and went home. The dozen of us or, or so who stayed happened to be in there probably for something we weren't supposed to watch. Yep. And, and, and the thing I like so much about Alec Burks during this is that he realized there was a crowd. And he realized there were yep. people who were seeing him for the first time, like intimately, like watching this. And, and he, and he took advantage. He showed off and he was like, here's what I'm about to do. <laughs> let, let, let my ankle get healthy. You, you guys are about to see this. I love that. I love any competitor. I remember right when Boogie Cousins came back, I got lucky and I was in that old Oakland practice facility and he was playing some real controlled one-on-one with Durant at the time and you could tell he was energized because we were watching and I just like the idea of competitors like being competitors you know that that sure they love playing the sport but if other people are there to watch them dominate they kind of kick it up a couple of notches so it sounds like that's what Burks was bringing to yeah and I think they're like obviously this is not being on a stage this is not a spotlight but there is something to people who who rise to occasions who all of a sudden see a bunch of eyes on them and step up and, and that's exactly what the feeling i got from them and, and that's why uh, I, th- I think it, it shows well for what he can do for him all right i got a quick hitter for you um but it's going to require an admission maybe even a little bit of an explanation so i, I announced rusty as one of the most enjoyed members of the show kind of a weird way to phrase it really what i'm saying is We've had Rusty on for years. I love him to death, and he knows what kind of a psychopath I can be as far as emotionally. You know, he's, he's seen it firsthand. And Rusty, I'll admit to you, this next question deals with one of my own psychopathic uh, responses, and so I want to get a sense of whether or not I've gone too far. So game one, not the best of games for the Warriors, and at halftime, it's a TNT game, Clay goes and talks to the boys from uh, TNT's halftime show, right? So Kenny's there, Charles is there, Shaq's there, the whole nine yards, and it starts by Clay explaining his health and that you know he's, he's not going to rush himself back because he still views the Warriors' title window as open, and then Charles Barkley responds with this. So I don't want to rush back to try and win a, go to a six straight finals if I'm not 100% because our window to win another championship, I think, is open for the next five, six years. Go ahead, Charles. Well, number one, I hope you get back soon, but you're just wrong. Um, what is he wrong about? Well, I think they won the shut. Uh, Why? Well, because I don't think they can score enough. You, I want to make my, my other prediction, and I was wrong before the game. Mm-hmm. I said they were going to be the 7-8 seed. They're not going to make the playoffs uh, because they just, can't, they just can't score enough. You know, you look so at— So you could tell after one half of basketball— yes. Okay, let me finish the admission to you. So I was already frustrated by the beginning of the game. I may or may not have had a couple of cocktails, but this made me furious, Rusty. Charles doesn't know what the hell it takes to win. He's never won anything. Having Charles explain to us what's required for a team to win a championship is like having a fish explain what fire is like. He's never been around it. Why the hell would we need to listen to him? But I digress. I need kind of, you know, your calm, sage wisdom. Am I being ridiculous? Or are Warrior fans justified in thinking that that was kind of bullshit? No, it was absolute nonsense. Um, You're right. You're absolutely right that Barkley doesn't know what it takes to win a championship. But in this clip, he sounds like he doesn't even understand basketball. (laughs) Why? Right? His His whole point was that the Warriors can't score enough. 
<laughs> if I remember that Clippers game, they scored 120 points that's against exactly, that's exactly right. the best the best defense in the league. Um, the, the the Warriors' problem is not anything they're doing offensively. They can't guard anybody, uh, and that's that's why they're not a championship contender right now. That that immediately changes when Clay Thompson comes back yeah. because he guards he guards the point of attack that allows Steph Curry to be off the ball and not to get beat up in pick and rolls. That immediately allows them to start switching and doing all the things that have made the Warriors great. What made the Warriors great during this five-year run has not been their offense. It's been their defense. Hold on. Back up. Is it literally that simple? Do, so, I mean, you know, I don't know X's and O's that well, but even my stupid ass can see the problems they're having on the defensive end. I mean, you know, they, they are giving up. Oklahoma City, a team that has been ravaged by their own subtractions from the roster, look like one of the most talented offensive teams I've ever seen. Do you honestly think that all the defensive problems we're seeing right now will be fixed with Clay, or is that just the beginning, uh, you know, the first step to solving the issue? It's all it's all tied together. They they also don't have a rim protector right now. They also don't have a bunch of these long wing athletes on. You know, it, right. it's all tied together. But but it starts absolutely with Clay Thompson, huh. and he he guards the point of attack. Almost every offense immediately goes into a pick and roll. He's better at that than everybody else. He can switch off, and that allows them to do a ton of things. He can end up being the guy who guards your post player, and he's a rim protector. The Warriors have none of that right now. Um, of course, they miss Kevin Durant, Andre Iguodala, and Sean Livingston, right. all these guys. Right? But Clay Thompson is the key to all of that. And and I'm not nearly as smart as Ron, Ron Adams, and he'll tell you that they miss Clay Thompson. So can we even really evaluate this team until Clay comes back? I mean, I, you know, we give them some games, we get a sense of who can do what, but do we even know who they are before Thompson's here? That that that's why that's why I started the way I did. That said, if if you're into basketball and you're into watching what this team is going to be, of course you can evaluate it. You yeah. can watch the developmental guys, but you're not watching a team. It, what what this team is for the future, you're not going to see it this year. Right. Hey, it, it, in, until Clay comes back, and that is going to be at the end of a year that doesn't matter, or at the start of next year. Until then. The, this is not the Warriors. You're not watching that. You're you're only watching for individual development at this point, if you're a basketball fan. Okay. This is exactly what I want. This is exactly what I need. I need you to kind of walk me through how to enjoy, you know, and how to, how to maximize this season. Because I'll tell you what, man, during that first game one uh, loss, by the time that Kerr called the timeout that he didn't have because they were getting their asses kicked so badly to quote-unquote stop the bleeding, I wasn't taking it real well, Rusty. I'm just going to put that on the table. Now, you know, they've had some flashes since then. But I'd be lying to you to say that I'm not close to pressing the panic button. So let me start. But, you, with a, but even but even in that first game, like even if you take all the factors of that, the first game, you're playing with dudes who have been together for two weeks. No. Your your tallest guy is six foot nine, right? Yes. <laughs> and and you're you're playing three rookies, big roles already. Like what? What, what do you expect when you're playing the best team in the league? You're no. going to get blown out. Of course. I mean, if, if what you so, are talking about so, is an objective approach, so but we're score, not looking at this objectively. Go ahead. The score, the score doesn't matter. If you, if you want to get enjoyment out of those games, watch Jacob Evans. Jacob Evans had a heck of a game. Way, way, better, way better than I ever thought he would do in his first game in his second year. Right? So if I'm a basketball fan, I'm trying to look at that. that. Individual yep. thing. Like what, what this guy is, Jacob Evans is a part of the Warriors' future. So what did he do in that game? Now, when it gets to the Oklahoma Cities and the New Orleans and the Sacramento's and all those middling teams, okay, now you're going for wins. Now you can watch the the scoreboard a little bit. But yep. when, when you're going against the cream of the crop in the Western Conference, you know you're going to get blown out. So yep. so take some enjoyment in individual things, right? quantify those individual things for me all right so if if i realize this is not a championship team that's not the goal but i still am hoping this team can reach some goals this year what are some goals they can achieve you know what should i be looking for what do i want to see happen i want to see jacob evans come back from this injury and prove that he can be like andre Iguodala light that he can be the point forward on offense, that he can switch and guard three to four positions on defense, 
Um, I've heard over and over and over again that he's a really smart basketball player. I'd like to see that start playing out on the floor under the lights. Um, and, and his shot already looks better, but you got to start making them. Yep. Um, so I'd like to watch that. He's a part of the future. I'd like to see that. Um, Kevon Looney, expand his game. Uh, he hit a corner three in that Clippers game that everybody hates. Yep. The only shot he took, he made it. Um, so those kind of things. Like, what's the next step for Kevon Looney? He's already a great, great pick-and-roll defender. That's fantastic. That's part of the Warriors' future. What's his next step? Can he hit a corner three? We'll start watching that. Yeah. So those are the kind of things. Like Pick out the players who are going to be part of the future, and can they take the next step in their individual game that will help that future? Set small goals and hope that they can take those baby steps towards the next championship team. Um, yeah. Walk me and through. The, and, then if it, and, then if, and then if it's worthwhile in March or April, Clay comes back and tries to help the team get into the playoffs. But there's a long way to go for that. Right. In the, in the time being, there's a lot of fun basketball to watch, and you can watch, you can watch a ton of You can watch how is Draymond Green handling his leadership? How is Stephen Curry handling being – trapped and blitzed on every play. You know, there are lots of little things that you can watch because these are all things that are going to be part of the Warriors' future. Walk me through Kerr's criticism, all right? One of the things that have come out in the early going, and and it's not new, it's just a little bit more focused and white-hot with anger, is these attacks on Kerr. And they've taken two forms. Let me give you the first, and it's a little bit general. Um, And let me put it in the form of a question. It looks to me like Kerr is running a very similar form of this offense, even though his team is completely switched. You know, put differently, it looks like he has a square peg, not a circle one, and he's still putting it through the circle hole. So, twofold. One, is he still running the same offense despite a big turnover? And if he is, am I wrong to criticize that? He, he is still running the same offense. Um, Isn't that bullshit? Shouldn't he be flipping? I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, and here, here's why. Um, every time he runs the same offense, I think it clarifies to me as an observer that they're getting rid of D'Angelo Russell. Huh. Why? It, right. Like, if you, if you were going to keep him and you were building with him for the future, yeah. you would start running a lot of, of pick and roll high. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. That's exactly what you would do. Hmm. Um, so every, every time I see them trying to, as you said, trying to fit a square into a circle, pad, whatever. Um, it, 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 Don't you me, belittle my analogy. It was an amazing analogy. But yeah, <laughs> go ahead. Every time, every time I see them continue to run the same thing, uh, it, it just tells me that they look at it similarly to uh, that I do, that this is not the future. This is not where they're going. Um, they know that Clay is coming back eventually. They know that Steph and Clay are going to play next to each oh. other and be complimentary in in the system that has worked for five years. Right. Um, and, and so, what it doesn't make sense to change everything for forty or fifty games to make the playoffs. I mean, right. no franchise would tell you that that made any sense. Uh, and and it doesn't even have to be that long. They can trade them sooner than that. But right. but I'm I'm thinking even even if they decide they want to do it for forty or fifty games, like that, it doesn't make any sense. You're 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 all of a sudden getting in the way of Jacob Evans' development and Kevon Looney's development and Jordan Poole's development, and Eric Pascal's development. Sure. All those guys need to learn the system that's going to be there for the Warriors' future, um, and and that's not high pick and roll. Talk me off a ledge and and talk me through an unnecessary shot at Kerr. We've heard Kerr over the last five years, and, and he's self-deprecated, and he uses humor so phenomenally well, and he's sarcastic, so it's kind of hard to tell, right? But what he's been saying openly and publicly is, I'm not really an X's and O's guy. I'm, you know, I'm a personality manager. I'm phenomenal in the locker room. I'm not great with a clipboard. My biggest fear, if I'm being transparent with you right now, is that what he was telling us was absolutely true, and that the reason he hasn't flipped Swiss or systems is because he doesn't have another system. This is the one he's capable of, of running. Am I off? I mean, so I guess the question is, from what you viewed of him as a coach, if he wanted to, is he capable of flipping systems? Oh, absolutely he can. I mean, he's, show, yeah. he's shown us in playoff series he can 
make massive adjustments. Oh. He changed the entire defensive scheme in a final series. You know, um, yeah, he can he can make adjustments, and that, and that's why I think that. And you're right. I wrote a story before the season where he does all the self-deprecating stuff and says, "Look, I'm not very creative. I just steal from everybody else." And and part of that's true. They they do steal from everybody else. What makes him amazing is he steals that play from somebody else and adjusts it to his personnel. And that's why when I look at this team, look, it's three games, but even when I look at this team and see them not making those adjustments, it tells me this is not their team. This is not what they're going forward with. Let me get, I I, I promise we are going to focus on on your D-low suggestions here, but let me give you one more Kerr criticism and talk me through it. So, and I'm focused too much on game one, man, and I understand that. But after the loss, and it's a frustrating one, he gave us this quote, quote from Kerr. This is not a one-off. This is the reality. There's going to be nights like this this year. You've got to play through it. You've got to keep fighting and keep getting better. That's the plan. What was his message with that? And is it wrong to seemingly set an expectation for failure? I, I, I think he's trying to be realistic. Um, Look, there are five teams in the Western Conference who are absolute locks for the playoffs. Both LA teams, Denver, Utah, Portland, locks, yep. right? I would I would almost put San Antonio and Houston into that. Yep. So now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden you're playing for one playoff spot. The chances of that are so slim. And I think all Kerr is doing is saying, "Look, when we play those top 5 teams, maybe top 7, we're going to get our tails whooped sometimes. And so if you're a fan, let's go back to the old Oracle days where you guys cheered anyway right? and understood and respected development and all that. I think that's all he's doing is being realistic and saying, look, I know that a huge percentage of the country still looks at the Warriors yeah. as the Warriors. They're not, they're not the Warriors right now. They don't, they don't have Clay, they don't have Clay Thompson. Well, and they that, lost Kevin Durant, and it fits. They right. traded Andre Iguodala. Right? It, it, this is not the Warriors. It also fits with his Clay quote, right? If what you are saying is what he's trying to do is shape national perceptions and kind of bring us all back in to realizing that the team is flipped, then his comment about hey, we were not necessarily hoping or expecting at least that Clay's coming back fits right into that same expectation level setting speak, yeah. Oh, yeah, all he was doing was saying, hey, everybody just relax. You know, in, in a year, we're going to be really good again. But just just hang on for a minute. Let us, let us develop some guys. There's going to be some times where we get blown out because more important to us right now is developing Jordan Poole and Jacob Evans and Eric Paschal. Talk to me about what you've been insinuating for D'Angelo Russell. Do you expect him to finish this year in a Warriors uniform? And are there people out there who you've even started to consider as possible trade targets? Way too early. Um, I, I actually believe right after uh, they traded for D'Angelo Russell, Bob Myers and Steve Kerr both said, let's just see. Yeah. Let's just see what happens. Yeah. Right? Like, wouldn't, wouldn't say right away it was a trade piece. Um, every player on the roster is an asset, and, and you check. You check at the trade deadline. You check in the offseason before the draft. You, you check all the time. What is his value to other people? Um, so I think they're going to continue to do what they're doing, which is splitting his time with Stephen Curry. They're going to give him some time where he gets to run his own thing, and so his numbers are going to be fine. There's going to be good tape out there for other teams to look at. Um, but the Warriors, I think, have already made it clear. They're not changing their whole system for him. And so that, to me, says he's not part of the long-term future. Whether that means trade deadline piece, I don't know. Whether that means right before the draft, I don't know. But but I think it's clear that, that they've already decided he's probably not part of the long-term future. And, and that makes sense. He doesn't, he doesn't fit with what they have. Why'd they bring him back then? Just to have something come back when they lose Durant? Just to have a trade ship somewhere? Yeah, of course. You don't, you don't allow an asset to leave without getting an asset back. Even at that contract, you worried about him being, I mean, them being able to move a max contract with his level of stats so far? I watched him trade $24 million <laughs> in dead money in Andres Biedrins, Richard Jefferson, yeah. <laughs> and, and, a, and a hurt Brandon Russ. 
I think that you think they can't trade. You think they can't trade an All Star guard? Yeah, here's what I think. I think you've shoved that Utah Andres Bezos trade up my ass at least 15 times. Every time I ask you, there's no way they're going to be able to do this. You go back to that trade. So I, at some point, I'm just going to take that one off the table as an answer for you. I, I do it. I do it to myself too. I, uh, well, I'll give you another one. I watched them win 73 games <laughs> during a regular season, and okay. the best team in the history. And the best team in the history of basketball, somehow in the offseason, added Kevin Durant. Yeah. It makes no sense. How do they do that? They're really smart. Yeah. And then I watched a team that was about to lose Kevin Durant for nothing turn it into an all-star guard that they can turn around and do something with. They, can, they, they figure things out. They're pretty smart over there. Continue the wave of optimism, and you've already said this. Do you expect them to be a championship contending team as early as next year? Yeah. Why? It's, because as soon as you get Clay Thompson, all this nonsense about they, I, I know this is part of them, and this is part of the reason why Steve Kerr keeps saying we're not that good, is part of the Warriors' publicity is saying, look, we still have three All-Stars, yeah, blah, right. blah, blah. Well, look, Raymond wasn't an All-Star. He, he's, he's an All-Star when he has All-Stars around him. D'Angelo Russell was an all-star in the Eastern Conference, and he was an all-star replacement. So, so all this nonsense of we have three all-stars is crazy. But when they actually do have three all-stars next year, then, of course, you're right back in that conversation. Right. And you have year of development with Kevon Looney, Jacob Evans, Jordan Poole, Eric Paschal, who I think are all rotation players in the NBA. So right. now all of a sudden you have three all-stars and four really good developmental players who are rotation guys. Well, and, that makes you a championship contender. And you have a team that is making money hand over fist and is no longer limited by a hard cap, right? They can actually yeah, dip into the absolutely. Chase Center black card and go out there and get some people who can make a difference. Uh, tell me about That's Willie Collison, man. Um, what do you think? Should we be fired up that this guy's coming in? What kind of a difference do you think he'll make? Tell me about him. I didn't really watch him that closely in Sacramento. I'm, I'm fired up to watch him because he has all the talent in the world. Um, and he hasn't utilized it very well. And I think the Warriors are a really good environment for those kind of people. Um, he hasn't protected the rim at all. He doesn't play defense. And those kind of things, if you're on the Warriors – He'll be sitting right back on the bench next to the coaches if he does that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so so th- that's why it's exciting to watch is all these young guys, is it's simple. You either you either do what works or you go over there and sit down. And I, So that's exciting to see. Like, what's he going to do with his career? Is, it, is he going to decide to play hard on defense and protect the rim and do the things that are responsible for a championship team? Or is he going to sit on the bench and let his career end? That, that's exciting to watch. <laughs> Is it as simple is if what you are saying, or at least what I'm hearing, is it as simple as saying, look, this is just a transition year. They knew it was going to be a transition year. That was part of the of them losing Durant, and it's only going to last a year. Literally, we can just tune out, tune back in next year, and expect, you know, not five straight finals, but championship contention. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting what's happened in the NBA because I'm actually from that old school thing, which is if you can't win the championship, you should lose. You yeah. should lose every game. Well, because um, you watched re- a team suffer not doing that, right? Cohan didn't yeah, do that, yeah. and they were stuck in the doldrums for 20 years. Yeah, they stu- they were at the bottom of the lottery every year, made the wrong pick every year. So there was a lot of problems. It wasn't just – I mean, there were, there were a lot of good players that could have drafted that they didn't. So it's not just – it's not just being at the bottom of the lottery. You actually have to have some guys who can evaluate talent and all that other stuff. But you mean Todd yeah, Fuller no, was a mistake, or <laughs> yeah, there were, there were a couple. Of, there were a couple in there who weren't so good. But but think about San Antonio, right? San Antonio won championships. Then David Robinson got hurt, and what they decided to do that year when Robinson got hurt was lose every game, and they sat all of their veteran players and lost every game. Yep. And then they got the number one pick, and then they got Tim Duncan, and they went back to the playoffs for 20 straight years. So there's a way to extend a dynasty. This is a little bit different, right? The, the five years could be considered one dynasty, yep. or they could extend it for 15 with that trio of Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green for another 10 years. And I'm from the old school where everybody can't do it like San Antonio, so you win, 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 win and then you are terrible, and then you come back. 
But this new thing might be that, yeah, you just have to have one bad year and then you do it over. And and this Warriors could do exactly what San Antonio did. They're, they're not going to get the number one pick in the draft. And I don't even think that there's a Tim Duncan in the draft. But if you add one more piece to it and you add a huge piece of Clay Thompson and you have a front office that will go out and get you any star on the market, then yeah, you can, you can do it. You can remake a roster with your core there. And I think that continues the dynasty. Let me challenge that. All right. I heard what you said and it's absolutely right, but let me give you another San Antonio example. San Antonio loses Kawhi, right? That they, they have to shuffle on the fly and they don't have the kind of seeming transition year that the Warriors are having this year. You know, they were that Popovich was able to kind of change his system on the fly and still had success. And it's it's that comparison that has made me frustrated with Kerr that he seemingly doesn't have the ability to make the kind of transitions that Pop did. Why is that wrong? Why should I not use that analogy? Because we're we're making a slightly different argument. Um, Pop Pop has made the transitions when his players have changed, yeah. right? And so when it went from Robinson to Duncan, he was allowed to keep a lot of the same system. Then when Kawhi came in, he changed to his best player. And uh-huh. then when Kawhi left, he has again changed to his best player. Yeah. And watch what they do now with DeJounte Murray and LaMarcus Aldridge, yeah. right? So right now, the war- during all of this, the Warriors' best player is Stephen Curry. So you don't change sure. everything sure. while you still have that guy. Right. You, right. You, everything the Warriors do should be about Stephen Curry. And that's exactly what it is. Klay Thompson is the perfect complement to Steph Curry. Draymond Green is a perfect complement right. to Steph Curry. The system is a perfect complement to Steph Curry. That's the way it should be. Right. And that backs now, what you're saying if, about D'Lo. If something, if something happens where they lose Stephen Curry, well, then, of course, Steve Kerr will change and adjust to his personnel. But right now, he knows who number 30 is. Yeah, right. And, and I mean, that literally underlines why you've been saying what you're saying about D'Angelo Russell. If, if what Kerr has learned by watching Pop is that you always prioritize your best player and have the system complement him, and they've got D'Angelo in there who's a good player, but they know he's not going to be there, then why the hell would you implement a system that is going to surround his talents? That's exactly right, and you can spend enough. You can spend enough practice time and know enough to open up things for D'Angelo innately when he's on the court by himself. Right, right. I, and that, that will put enough film on the on the recorders for all the other GMs to want him, and that's fine. And D'Angelo will be happy, and he'll put up his numbers, and that'll be fine. And then you can make a decision about what you want to do. It's weird that we got 20 minutes into the podcast before you said I was exactly right. I mean, you know what kind of a needy personality I am, man. I mean, even if you don't need the compliments, you should drop at least one within the first five minutes. I'm just going to say that. You were, you were exactly right off the top, too, that I'm the most enjoyed. <laughs> okay, now you're violating the second rule. I've told you a million times I need you to not be funnier than I am. That is what it is. Uh, instant chase impressions. You, know, you, you spent a better part of a career watching Oracle be Roracle. And it's too early. I mean, we'll, we'll see what the hell Chase does. But give me your immediate early impressions. It's beautiful. It's an amazing facility. Yeah, I, don't, um, stop. I don't care about any of that. I've, we, we hear that constantly. I want to hear about the <laughs> fan base, man. I don't care how many bathrooms it has or what kind of empanadas I can buy there. I want to know what kind of advantage, home court advantage it gives to my team. Does it? Because I haven't been to a game yet. I'm going on Saturday. I'm, I'm excited to report back. But from what you've seen, you know, like, did, we, did, did Warrior fans make the switch over to San Francisco? Or are we, are we not quite as loud over there? It, it has a chance to be really loud. Hmm. The 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 acoustics are really good. Um, as Doc Rivers pointed out the other day, the pitch of and I never even thought to use it. I thought pitch was what they play soccer on, but yeah. the pitch the pitch of the seats is amazing. Like it feels like when you're on the court, it feels like the entire arena is like leaning over on you, yeah. um, and the players and the coaches feel that. Um, so it has a chance to be really loud. Uh, the Warriors haven't given the fans any reason to be loud yet. So we don't know if it will be. Um, there's a lot of nonsense. Like right now, the PA announcer has to tell the crowd when to chant defense, and is trying to start some new thing with its Warriors ball and all this kind. Of, all that kind of stuff is like it's not organic, and to me, it's nonsense. Like just let it be what it is. Yes. And, and when the Warriors, 
when the Warriors play well, um, this place has a chance to be really, really loud. The fact that they are telling us what to cheer makes me a little bit concerned, and the idea that it's just the chance also leaves me concerned, right? I mean, like every guitar on earth has the chance of sounding, you know, of making amazing music. You just still need a phenomenal musician behind it to make it work, right? So if what you're telling me is the acoustics of Chase Center are set up so that we can take advantage of them, that's good. But if we don't have a fan base who's going to take advantage of them, that doesn't mean crap, right? Yeah, no, you're right. And, and, and we don't know yet. Yeah. We don't know. Um, I've seen exhibition games there, and it wasn't good. <laughs> but the team, the team, the team wasn't good, right. and people left at halftime. Right. And, and that's, that's what you expect during the exhibition season. Um, and the first game was against the best team in the league, and they were getting beat handily, so there wasn't a lot of reasons to cheer. Uh, so, I mean, there's a chance. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Uh, we'll see. How it, long? Do- it, doesn't, it doesn't smell the same way as Oracle, I'll tell you that. <laughs> how, uh, how long should we wait before we judge a chase crowd? You know, are we talking, should we wait until their first playoff appearance? Should we wait 20 games? What kind of experience do we need with these guys before we can be like, yes, they're just as loud, or nope, you know, we lost a little bit of the magic? Well, coaches always say you don't know the identity of your team until 20 games in, so I guess that's fair. Like, maybe you don't know, maybe you don't know the identity until 20 games in. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I assume it's, a Houston game. I, I'm trying to think of who the real rivals yeah, right, are. Like right. Houston, Houston, to me, still still gets the fan base riled up. I know there's a little bit of NorCal stuff with Sacramento. The Lakers obviously get fans riled up. So maybe maybe you see a regular season game against a couple of those teams. Maybe that starts to, to identify the, the personality of the arena a little bit. Maybe we can bring Charles Barkley's fat ass into center court and see how loudly we boo him. Uh, yeah, I mean, just just an idea. You can run it by Ritter. Maybe uh, maybe we'll want to make that happen. Um, here's some rapid fire. I, I did I did I did notice that Rick Wells kept Chuck on the outside of the arena for the entire first game. <laughs> see, there you go. It, it was a missed opportunity. Also, here's a promise for you. On Saturday, I promise to bring some of the old Oracle smells. Uh, to Chase Center, but let me fire off some rapid fire questions for you. No analysis necessary. Just shoot whatever answer comes to mind. Here's your first. Over under five years, Mr. Simmons. How long before the Warriors reach the finals again? Under. Over under two. How many more titles will Steph win during his career? Ooh, I can't just go even, huh? Uh, I'll go under. It's hard, man. It's hard to win. You can do push. Do you think it's going to be a two? I do. I do. I think it'll win two more. Of these people, who will be the last person employed by the Warriors? Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, D'Angelo Russell, Steve Kerr. Does it count coming back as a no. front office guy? No, in their, in their current capacity. In their current capacity. Um, Stephen Curry. Will Andre Iguodala be a warrior again? Yes. When? Um, he's going to play for the Lakers this year in the Western Conference Finals and then come back to the Warriors next year. And uh, take us home. Who's in the finals and who's our NBA champion? The Clippers win. Um, it doesn't matter who they beat. I guess it'll probably be Milwaukee, but I kind of like Philadelphia's chances once they figure out Horford a little bit. That's a little scary how good the clips have looked with Paul George in a bow tie. You know, I, I'm, I'm like secretly hoping that he comes in and kind of screws up their chemistry, but something tells me that's not going to happen. I used to do these weird, so like when, when nobody cared about the Warriors and I had to like after the All-Star break come up with interesting storylines. I used to do these storylines of like could the second team beat the first team and i would do all these kind of random like i look at the clippers and i think that all the time like their second team might be better than their first team (laughs) they are so deep and so good defensively they are scary scary good it's almost like the Warriors might have wanted to keep on to that Jerry West guy, huh? I don't even want to. Like, I don't know how much they would have had to pay Jerry West to stay, but if it means giving up on like 18 of the vendors at Chase Center and a couple of the statues, they should have done that. They should have done that in a heartbeat. But what can we do, right? It just, it just is what it is. Also, I'll have you know that I still cared about the Warriors when they were terrible. I was reading those pieces from you. You're making it seem like we all tuned out. But, you know, some of us were kind of hardcore. 
No, that's right. And 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 you always speak to the audience, right? So back then, I would write a lot of stuff about the prospects, who's coming in for the right. draft, all those kind of things. <laughs> that's right. And this this year, I'm trying to help the audience out. This year is about the development of the current players on the roster. So look at those young guys, check them out, see what you think. This reminds me of the times of like Yuri Welsh and Vontigo Cummings. You know, we're going way back. Like, no, maybe these guys will pull it together. But I'm also hearing there's there's uh, a lot more reason for optimism now than there was in like the mid '90s, right? Uh, take us home. My second favorite, if not my top favorite, it might actually beat out off the court report is story time. With Uncle Rusty, the idea is pretty similar to the Off the Court Report. Really, that idea is I shut up and Rusty talks. Here, I give him a name. He gives us a story. Rusty, the name is Steve Kerr. Well, I was I was going to say the first story is the most recent one. I was going to tell you about Steve Kerr telling me the other day that he's not innovative at all. He just steals from all these other coaches. But since I already gave that one away, I'll tell you a story about Chicago in 2016-17 season. Um, and or excuse me, 2015, 16 season, and we're waiting for Steve Kerr to come back. He feels terrible. Um, he's going through all kinds of things with his back and his neck, and really the problem is that the spinal fluid is leaking up into his brain. He's got these terrible headaches. He feels awful. Um, but we're on the road in Chicago, and you can tell that he's starting to think about coming back. He's getting more and more involved in practice, and that night in Chicago he tells the assistant coaches, look, you know what I'd really like to do? I'd like to go to second city, this improv comedy spot. And Kerr gets on stage and is hilarious and he's quick. And he's back, he's back to being just perfect, funny, right off the bat, knows everything he wants to say. And I knew, I said right there, I said, he's coming back. And sure enough, next home game was against Indiana and he was back. He had the improvisation or improvisational skills to get up in a professional setting like that and drop jokes. I mean, like that's he, oh, he yeah. went there and participated. Yeah, he was, and he was awesome. He was awesome, and 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 you should see that now. Like I know that probably in some of these press conferences, he dumbs it down for the people a little bit. But you can ask him. You can ask him about anything, and he's smart and funny on everything. And I think that night. That night you could tell he was getting back to being himself, and uh, I think that was a really special night. Rusty, is what you're saying be patient? You know, I mean, like, so what I'm, you know, we, we hear stories about Kerr. He's great at what he does, and he knows where this is going. You tell me about um, Curry. He hasn't lost any of his, you know, his extra world talent. We talk about Clay. We should expect him to be back and be exactly whom he was. We talk about Myers, and he does have a vision for this team, even though we can't necessarily see it. Is, is what you were saying between the lines here just be patient? I mean, it, yeah, if you, if your goal is championships, yeah, of course you have to be patient for that. Yeah. But but I also I'm a hoop fan, like, and I think there are really fun things to watch yeah. in the now, and and so I I just, I just keep trying to reiterate that that there are, to me, watching Jordan Poole shoot without a thought is awesome. Yep. To watch what Eric Pascal already understands about the NBA as a rookie is amazing. Sure. To see to see how Jacob Evans has transformed his game and and the potential for what he could do as a two way player, so those are those are things in the moment you can watch and enjoy well, if you're a hoop fan. And put the two if, things together. If you together. just want championships, if you just want winning, yeah, you got to wait, man. You well, not, I mean, not necessarily. If, even if I just want championships, what you're talking about are these small things that will lead to those championships. I'm not going to win them this year, but if I see Jacob Evans become that guy. Well, that gives us a shot next year. If I see passion, I mean, all of those small steps are leading somewhere. The somewhere it's leading is Titletown, right? So even then, there's reasons to kind of watch these guys. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and you got a front office. And you got a front office who might go get you Giannis. <laughs> okay, so I mean, and I wasn't even going to bring him up, um, but that's also like kind of my secret worry on this deal. So I always viewed the Warriors' shot at Giannis because Milwaukee would mishandle this year; they don't go as far as they'd like, and now he's disappointed with the team around him. He looks up, sees the Warriors as the best shot at a championship, sees the arena, sees Steph, and off he goes. But I've been worried that if they have the kind of transitional year we've been talking about, if they have like a thirty-win year, Giannis isn't going to want to come here, right? Won't that impact? that probability too you why do you make everything so difficult what do you mean stephen curry is a player magnet <laughs> stephen curry and Giannis were together with the nike brand before and then they had a relationship beyond that 
at Giannis's first All Star game, he sought out Stephen Curry like Stephen Curry was the president of the United. Well, not this president, but other presidents <laughs> of the United States. Somebody, somebody, somebody you would want to talk to, right? So, you, it, 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 all of these other things are, are are things that just complicate what's already there. There's a relationship. Everybody wants to play with Stephen Curry. These two actually have a relationship. There's a very good chance that Stephen Curry can help to make that happen, and you have a front office who is willing to do it. I missed your resting. I missed your calm approach. I missed this optimism, although I don't remember you being overly optimistic, so I think you actually mean all of this stuff, and I absolutely missed kind of the, the, the sage analysis that comes with your experience. Um, I know I'm not alone. I'm sure there's people out there who need more Simmons in their life. Where the hell should they go? Oh, you can read me every single day in the San Francisco Chronicle. If you don't like hard copies of stuff anymore, you can look at sfchronicle.com. And then there's all kinds of like Twitter nonsense, social media (laughs) stuff that they put out. I don't know about any of that stuff. So you're still living squarely in the 20th century. You haven't been able to to get out into the social media setting at all. I know for a fact that you have a very active Twitter account. You're not going to give that to us or what? It's out there. Yeah, you can find it. Look at my name. <laughs> it's a, it's a, that's a very long Twitter handle. So it's called It's Out There. You'll find it at Look at My Name. It, I mean, get out there. there you'll... There, are some, there are some underscores on it. <laughs> but, I under, but I understand that the blue check is really important. So oh, I guess I bastard. got that. Oh, you bastard. <laughs> I mean, right when you're pretending you don't care, you're throwing a little F you for us. Well, if you are looking for our own social media presence, we're at Warriors Huddle. You'll be able to recognize that because there is nothing blue remotely close to it if you want to shoot us an email to let us know that Reshi's an asshole for pointing out the lack of a blue check we can be hit at warriors huddle at gmail.com uh, with that in mind we love you guys appreciate you guys and hopefully we'll see you next week Good, good. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.